Mitchell from The Walking Dead, and I'm here on the Atomic Podcast, one of my favorite shows to visit with. You, the audience that are tuning in and continue to tune in, do so, man. This is where you hear all the behind-the-scenes cool stuff, and uh, we've had a good visit uh, continually, and we'll continue to do so. So uh, keep tuning in. Check out the movie 31, uh, Rob Zombie's new horror flick that's coming out on September the 16th. And uh, I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are on our next visit on Atomic Podcast. You follow me? Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, fans. My guest today, he's back for part three, third time's a charm. He's an actor. You've seen him in the films Lawless, The Devil's Rejects, Deja Vu, Unstoppable, and the Rob Zombie's latest flick that's finally going to be released, 31. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, Lou Temple. Lou, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Efren. So nice to be back on Atomic Podcast. Uh, it's always good to be part of your your audience and uh, to be able to speak to uh, everybody that, that listens. And you have so many good fans and, and really well-versed fans that it's uh, it's just always an honor to, to be uh, present for them and to sort of attend to some of the thoughts and questions and conversations that we all have on a day-to-day basis about... About what? About everything. About uh, who's going to find Lucille uh, <laughs> as their as their demise? Who is who is Lucille and Negan going to be uh, the benefactor of? I suppose. Wow. Um, you know, my first take on that, as The Walking Dead goes, we might as well jump right in. Yes. Right? Yeah. Jump um, right in there is that I don't think anybody wants to really know. You don't want to know. Look, we talked about this before. It, 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 it's called fishing. It's not called catching. You know, it, it, it's hide-and-go-seek, not hide-and-go-find. We, we like the game. I don't think we want to know the answers. You know, they're mysteries and they're puzzles. They delight us for those reasons. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, here's how it is, and you're all... Wanting to know and be happy about that. First of all, to be clear, I don't know that I'm no longer on the show. Uh, I try to be part of the audience that sees it in real time, sees it with an absolute interest and an unfiltered, uh, organic, in-the-moment response just like everyone else. And that's how I enjoy it. And I think that's how everyone enjoys it. So... Um, no, I don't know uh, who is going to be the unfortunate victim um, when we return in October. I can hazard a guess. Uh, my, my knee-jerk thought, and you know, none of us like talking about this because they're all our favorite characters. Yeah. I think the show has a responsibility to own up to the position they've put us into. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they've made it an entirely large uh, proposition <laughs> that someone will be leaving, that they didn't show us and have held, had us hang on to that, I feel like they must feel responsible. Now, some people would disagree with me on that and say, well, they could just dupe us and make it, you know, and there are no minor characters. Let's not, uh, let's not, put it in that context, but it may be somebody who may not be as big. I've heard that conversation. I, just, I don't I don't say that. I say that we're going to lose somebody that we've been with for a while. So, um, and that payoff is, is what they're going to give us. And we'll hate it, but we'll respect it. So, we get to that context for me. Um, you know, I break that down into three players, uh, and it's unfortunate. I would not want to see any one of them leave. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the comic book, the blueprint, the Bible, and where we've had experiences before, 
or lead us to our friend Glenn, mm. obviously, because we've grieved for Glenn. We've already mourned his death once. We've, we've used those Kleenex, so to speak. So maybe <laughs> that makes it a bit easier to swallow, if it, if it is. Although, um, it would not be easy to lose Glenn, obviously, a father-to-be and, and a good person. And we watched his arc, and he's just come to terms with having to do the difficult things that he's done. So, alternatively, I always feel like there's one storyline that's being shared by two characters, and it's time to split that up. And, and, and they both revolve around Rick, and one of them's in his bed, and, and one of them's got his back so unfortunately it feels to me like Michonne and Daryl are two people who need to uh, um, one needs to move on because they have essentially the same storyline so I think a little bit about one of those two leaving I'm waiting on Glenn so that that doesn't have to happen but certainly if if it did happen I could see, you know, Michonne taking a hit, and if the show was as irreverent as they could be, then they would take out uh, Daryl. And I, again, I'm not looking to see any of this. I've heard the, the reference of Abraham. Yeah. I've heard the reference of Eugene. And while those guys are big players, um, you know, I feel like Eugene's kind of in a bit of a duressful situation. I don't think his death would maybe be as big a payoff, even though he's a great character, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And the thing with Abraham, I feel like Negan sort of wants to have a, a, a big physical man like that under his thumb, yeah. you know, and, and to to make him his slave, his his bitch, if you will, if I yeah. can say that. Yeah, you can say whatever street, you want. In street terms. So yeah. that's my take on where we're at. And I've heard a plethora of other... Um, because I am out and amongst the, the audience of, of The Walking Dead at, at conventions all around the world. I've been to Nottingham in the UK recently and, and Dusseldorf, Germany and, and Niagara Falls, Canada up there. Uh, and everybody has some thoughts and they're all fantastic. And, um, and I'm happy to say that while I've been out dinner with Norman Reedus or to dinner with Tom Payne or to dinner with Michael Cutlets that I have not heard word one as to who it actually is. So um, that excites me because I, I don't have a spoiler and I will be <laughs> hopefully exposed to it just like you will be. Do you have an opinion? Um, I say so far, the way the storyline has been going, they've been really sticking it really close to the comic book. So, um, even though we had the swerve with Glenn, I think the payoff, I, th- I have a feeling it's Glenn. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that would be, you know, if I had to throw my, my last two bucks into the ring on, on which rooster, I, I believe I'd throw it at that, that one right there. So, um. I think uh, I think we're there, but it's really created a, a, a conversation and a thought process amongst all the the audience. So I'm I'm pleased, and I would assume that AMC, as well as the producers of The Walking Dead and the entire production, are pleased with the type of interest and concern there has been for whoever it may befall. I also will say this, that they couldn't have introduced Negan in more of an impactful way yeah. than, with a, than with a cliffhanger, which puts him in a place of, you know, high authority, high power, and, and um, he he is holding all the cards. So that's, I think all those things are, are exciting. And they also bring us back into a, a community, if you will, because, you know, we certainly have Hilltop, and we certainly have uh, Alexandria, and we have our survivors, and then the warriors. And, but all of a sudden, we're just focused on this one thing, mm-hmm. you know, and we're all as a group. We can all focus on that, you know, yeah. and maybe we're less attending to, as you know, splintering off, where's Carol going, or, you know, who are, 
who are we bartering with over here at Hilltop and what's, you know, how's Jesus tricking us next? And, but we're just really focused on this one thing, aren't we? And yeah. uh, I think that's a good thing, too, that our, our, our fan base can all be uh, organized in, in this one place of concern. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm you know, happy with it all. Yeah. yeah, I can see. I you know I you know I could see both sides of the equation because if you remember, like what was the show Dallas? Everybody was like, "Well, who shot Jr.? We're gonna have to wait right. to find out who shot Jr." And it's almost like yeah, the cliffhanger yeah. aspect of it. And you know, even in the comics, they already gave it away. But from what the producers were saying, I I kind of understand what they mean. Like the whole season is gonna be revolve is gonna revolve around the death of that certain character. Instead of yeah. him showing it, this, you know, the the season that just passed, but you know, it got everybody in the, you know, almost in a tissy fit because you know everybody wanted to know. You know, don't get me wrong, yeah. I, you know, I wanted to know too. But all right, after two or three days, I was already over it. I'm like, oh, I'll wait till October and find out who did it. You know. Well, I think it's a little bit in the context of of. Uh, uh, you still with me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I think that it's a bit of the conflict. Uh, con text of what you just said was that, look, this event's going to happen, and believe it or not, it's going to be awful and horrendous mm-hmm. and monumental, mm-hmm. but it's just the start of what's to come, Yeah, and it's going to set off this entire next incredible season. So, if you can't take this, maybe you should, you know, <laughs> tap out, you know, so I, I, I'm sort of thinking that way, and so that we have this event that gets us into that spirit. I feel like they needed to send, you know, the rocket into space with huge acceleration, and I'm assuming that this this big play coming up will uh, will do that for us. So, uh, I'm, I find, I'm in I find it in good form and favor. I'm not mad at anybody. Cliffhanging is is what you do when you climb big mountains, you know? Yeah. And so the uh, the prospect of a, a zombie apocalypse and, and dealing with uh, humans who are redefining morality, those are, those are big mountains, dude. Yeah. So uh, you're going to have some cliffhangers. You're going to be hanging on a cliff now and again. Yeah. Um. What What is your thoughts on the casting of Jeffrey Dean Morgan? I think he's. Yeah. I mean, look, he's delicious. I mean, <laughs> didn't we see that in the in in his introduction? And yeah. Don't we? Well, I mean, what I really feel like is that his there's a very wry humor and likability about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of fun, yeah. you know. And I think that plays really well with what's going on and with the character. And, you know, uh, he's there's a charm to him that is very disarming, but, but as an audience, I think it's just fun to be exposed to. So uh, on a personal level, I, I have a movie coming out um, in October. I think it's October 5th yeah. uh, with Jeffrey Dean Morgan called Desierto, mm-hmm. which is, uh, 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 and, and he plays a, uh, what's called a Minuteman, mm-hmm. which is a vigilante on the Arizona border that takes the law into his own hands, takes uh, the border crossing into his own politics with his seven mag seven millimeter rifle and and um a couple of uh border crossers mexican uh uh, immigrants escape his barrage of bullets and he's chasing them through the desert and i'm a a border uh a border patrol guy that comes upon him and he kind of lies to me that he's on a hunting venture and i figure it out and then chase him so uh this movie is directed by jonas coran uh, Alphonse Caron's son, oh, wow. who, wrote gra- who wrote Gravity, and uh, and 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 Alphonse uh, produces this this movie, so it's got a really great tone to it, and that was my experience. Uh, I've been knowing Jeffrey for quite a while.
while, ever since he was uh, came upon us from Grey's Anatomy uh, when he was had that wonderful guest star arc with uh, with cancer. So, uh, and of course, I've adored him in, in Watchmen and and just a lot of things he's done. I think he has a real interesting likability and charm to him in a. Uh, kind of a throwback way, you know, kind of our old Hollywood leading man, uh, rogues type guy, you know. I think he's special, and I think he's the right ideal fit for Negan. And um, I have no problem with him playing through with that. So, uh, you know, The Walking Dead is very, they they typically do their homework and, and take great pains in casting, and I don't think that, We'd be disappointed in, in anyone yeah. as you know as we watch the show. Yeah, they're they're great in casting. And you know, my first thought of who would be Negan, I thought you know everybody was saying John Hamm because he looks like him, or yeah, you know, um, Henry Rollins, which was the inspiration for him. So there was a lot of guys like Jeffrey Dean Morgan wasn't even on my radar, but yeah. when I saw him, I was like, that's Negan. That's Negan. You know, yeah. there's so many guys as well as you just mentioned. You know. Those those cats would have been great, and yeah. and any one person, uh, Garrett Dillahunt's another good name. Yeah, uh, you know someone like uh, 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 Thomas Jane. I mean, there's so many really good guys that could bring their own spin. But ultimately, I just feel like they get it right, and and. Jeffrey's not going to disappoint us in the least, you know, and, and so he's already off to a great start. So I'm excited. Yeah, totally me, excited. me too. He always reminds me of a mixture between Javier Bardem and Robert Downey Jr. It's not about Jeffrey yeah. Morgan, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good assessment. He's taller than those two. He has some height. He's, uh, you know, he's a tall, wiry dude, and uh, he's got a great face. He's got a rugged look about him. He's got. You know, he's got years of, of wisdom in his face. He's an old soul. He's got a wry invitation to come, uh, you know, come play cards with the devil type of guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and he just talks you into doing it. And uh, But he's really a super guy, and uh, I'm, I'm happy for him and happy for uh, the production, The Walking Dead that uh, they have him. So uh, I think that's exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, you've been out of The Walking Dead for a while, Lou, but you're you're yeah, sort of still attached to it, though. You know, you're still doing conventions with Walking Dead. It is one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, what do they say, the gift that keeps on giving? Yeah. Or, or well, you know, part being part of the cast, you're a cast member for life. It is a family. We've we've talked about that before, but yeah. it, it, it's entirely a family that, as it turns out, is growing. We show up now at these conventions, and it's like a family reunion of, of stepbrothers and sisters. Oh, I've never met you, but I watch you, and your mom uh, buried my dad, and that makes <laughs> us step-siblings or whatnot. So it... It, it is a show that's evolving and production's evolving. You know, when I came onto the show in season three as a member of the five prisoner group, we we were the first new blood really to show up because season two was pretty encapsulated at Herschel's mm -hmm. farm. And so when they came upon us, it was fresh and new blood and that was all wild and crazy i mean just for the cast in and of itself oh cool new guys to work with but now uh the walking dead is visited by new players almost every week you know new faces and and you know you invest some interest in time in some and some you don't get the time to really invest in as much so the world I think evolves or is continuing to evolve for The Walking Dead, and and that's a good thing. I mean, because at some point we're like, are these the only people left on Earth? Yeah. Well, no. We, and let's meet some new, some other people. And I think the evolution of the show as it grows and gets bigger, and we start to recognize what the problems are. Really, they become with the you know. The humans, not the walkers. Yeah. The walkers are a problem. They're a metaphor for all the problems. But the reality is, these 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 people 
lines of of philosophy, I suppose, ideology are are really getting in the way of each other. Not unlike our unfortunate world today that we're we're uh, experiencing. So we try to navigate all of this day to day ourselves in a form of survival. And, and we talked again about this a lot. I think that's why the show lands and maintains its popularity as well as it does. It's such an easy show to put yourself in, in their shoes type thing, you know, and, and we can all relate to it. Survival. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, um, if, have you seen Fear of the Walking Dead? And if so, are I you okay? I have seen it. I am not as caught up on it uh, to be, uh, admittedly, I haven't seen it in, in, in its entirety. Uh, I thought that it, it was presented uh, very well, and it's quite interesting, and I think that it's going to get, move rather quickly, or it's starting to move rather quickly. I know there were some comments that it, it started off slow, but keep in mind, you're voyeuristically dropping into a show, you already know about the, what's in the closet or what's under the bed, and they don't. So you, you, you know, I mean, for me, it was typically I'd watch and say, hey, no, no, don't, oh, geez, how could you? And then really catch myself and realize, well, of course they don't know. This is what happens when you don't know. And so we've had the, you know, we've been privy to knowing what these walkers are, how they react, or how to take them out. And, and I think we're catching up on that show now to that level. And I think that show is very smart. I do, I would say this, even though it is, a little brother or little sister of The Walking Dead, I think it deserves its own, uh, it, it, its own legs, you know, its own soul and its own, I don't think it should be, you know, compared to The Walking Dead. I think it should have its own, you know, it, its own place in, in its own reference point. And so I hope, I hope that it's continued to be given. I know that I've met people who are fans of that show and don't watch uh, The Walking Dead and have no interest in The Walking Dead because they're entirely, um, uh, you know, engaged with what's going on in Fear of the Walking Dead and they don't feel like they need anything else. Um, so, and I know a lot of folks who are Walking Dead fans that have tuned in and don't get the same thrill from Fear of the Walking Dead. So I, I guess I would say this, there's something for everyone, mm-hmm. you know? There's a, my granddad used to say there's an ass for every seat, and I would say that's the case in this instance. Yeah, I know. I, I think it it it. it. It needs it, it needs more. It needs a little bit more. Like I think a couple of seasons will be all right. It's almost like when yeah. you when you watch Law and Order, you know that was the show you hooked on. Then SVU came on, and let me let me give it a few couple of seasons. Now SVU was still on the air, and Law and Order is gone. So I just think right. it needs it needs to it, it it's getting its own footing now. But I don't know. I, I think it needs to deviate way out of you know it's already deviating already, but it has to do some kind of different storyline. That that's way out there. It has to go. It has to go I way up the box. Yeah, I felt like they had a chance to really sort of hook us and take us for a real run. You know, they could have introduced the virus right away. Yeah, they could have. They could have showed us a red herring. Hey, this guy has a bottle. He dropped it and it broke. And there, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. This guy got bit by this crazy insect which had yet to be, you know, discovered and then went and had sex with a, you know, gorilla and look what happened. And blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just saying, oh, well, that's what we thought happened, but it wasn't that at all. It was really over in this uh, lab over here in North Korea where we were working on some nerve gas and uh, <laughs> this, you know, um, uh, you know, they could have really kind of taken us on. Uh, no, no, that's not what happened. Here's what. Here's how this, this, what these walkers came about. You know, we got that. It's bath salts, or you know, marijuana got legalized and then it started growing with, uh, <laughs> you know, kale, and it became a superfood, and then there was pesticides. And the pesticide was rogue with the nerve gas from Korea, and you know I, they just could have—they yeah. could have just spun it in so many ways and kept 
but yeah. and maybe they are. Maybe something's happened that we haven't even caught, you know, noticed. Yeah. And, or you know, you know or, so, or or they could have done something like that that the audience sees it, but then in the show, no one really knows like what we know how it started. You yeah, know, they could have done yeah. something like that. You know, because I feel like we all tuned in to get the answer. Yeah. You yeah. Know, oh, we're gonna find out what how this is going down, man, and and we're not getting the answer. But I think the show has a plan. I think those folks are really good at what they do, and and um, and again. I can still get back to it. It's, it's yeah. called fishing. Yep. We're out there. We're fishing, man. Yeah, like, you know, I probably, I seen, like, the whole first season, and I seen bits and pieces of the second season, but I'm like, ah, it's on DVR, I'll catch it later, or I can go to yeah, On yeah. Demand and catch it. You yeah, know, so. well, you you keep yourself busy with a lot of, <laughs> you're very attentive to a lot of material, so I don't know how you keep everything straight. Yeah, I, was, uh, I don't actually know how most people do. I'm always impressed <laughs> when somebody reels off four different shows that they're up to speed on, and you know, uh, or it's like that guy that could read two or three books at the same time. I just oh, yeah. read a chapter at a time from each book. I don't know how you do that, yeah. but but you know they do, and um, that's another evolution to entertainment. And we binge watch now, and we yeah. see things, and we experience them uh, the first i ever heard of this type of thing was that that show 24 that yes. people would watch it all in 24 hours yep. one episode per hour and they'd have these 24 hour parties and i just thought oh that's so novel uh, i saw the uh, first time i heard about that was in europe you know in france or something i was like that's yeah. brilliant but yeah. you know i think that was the advent of what we now call binge watching people can watch you know six seasons of the walking dead and catch up yeah. In, in an off season, so to speak. So, yeah, it, it, I suppose that's a good thing. It's funny. That, it, yeah, it's funny that you say that because that's how I actually started watching Twenty Four. Because I think when the FX channel was still in this embryonic stages, they had the whole Twenty Four Hours of Twenty Four marathon on FX. Right. And I think yeah, I, I watched. Yeah, and I watched Twenty Four like that. Not all Twenty Four Hours. I remember waking up, the TV was still on, and Twenty Four was still on, but. That was a really, really cool concept. And, you know, I yep. think, you know, Netflix shows, they do that with the whole binge-watching thing. So it's kind of like you're been watch. you know, you're not watching the whole show in 24 hours. But, you know, you're seeing yep. every single episode in one shot. And, you know, it gets stuck in your head because you're not waiting week to week to watch a show. Or when it leaves mid-season and it comes back, you know, and then, you know, it throws you out of a loop. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of the binge-watching thing. Speaking of binge-watching, are you, are you opposed to binge-watching? Or are you like the regular format of watching it every week and, you know? Oh, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, there's two schools of thought, and I'm probably from the old school. I like the idea of processing. Yeah. So I like, I find that when I visit with people, most people say, you know, when I went back and rewatched this, there was something that I didn't pick up because I was moving right along into the next uh, episode and the episode after that. So on episode 306, uh, I missed that, uh, that what happened between Herschel and whatever. And I, I do think there's, some time to process and some time to marinate with how how you you'll process what you experienced. I think that is is part of the experience. That being said, another part of the experience is in the moment and organic. When you go out and experience an, an event, that you miss some things. You miss a, if there's a concert, you miss your favorite song because you went to the you know, concession stand to buy a couple beers or, or, or you miss, you know, things at a sporting event because uh, you had to use the restroom or whatever. Um, and that is life and it becomes natural. And so I do think that that's, that is its own experience as well. And I think people that are of that generation are more prone to having the real-time experience of binge-watching than someone from a more of a formatted weekly uh, type of experience, the way maybe where I'm from, where episodically you you take some time in between and, and process. And, um, you know, life doesn't really slow. 
slow down to let you process. You go to work every day and you don't sit around for a week and say, well, this yesterday at work was really bizarre. My boss got on my case, but then it turns out he was in a bad place, and I understand now why. And You know, you don't get that. <laughs> you got to show up tomorrow and go back to work. So I do recognize them both. Uh, I'm not necessarily what I would say uh, if if I'm attached to a show like The Walk, I don't binge watch The Walking Dead, so I, I tune in weekly. But there have been shows where I have binge watched and try to catch up or I become hooked and I'm like, hmm, that's pretty great. That being said, if there's one thing in the show where I'm binge watching that turns me off, I'll stop the binge. No. I'll give it a second chance. I'll be like, ah, I'm calling bullshit. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I gave you four episodes. You know, you blew it right there with me, and I'm not going to continue on. But um, maybe I would say, oh, it's a little too hard on that. I call bullshit too soon on that if I were watching it as a weekly episodic. So um, I think the idea of carrying storylines, you know, television used to be entirely episodic, where, where stories were started, beginning, middle and ended in one episode and we, we moved on from that episode and we tuned in next week to see a different episode but you know now they're built as you say on Netflix and our, our digital platforms mm. they're built to carry storylines through as we're yeah. experiencing with it so all those things work and I think it what it, it does for the writers it gives them a chance to be even better they don't have to land everything on a on a 56 page format and it, it, it's better for the audience they don't have to uh, they don't have to receive it all in the moment and, and feel like they you know have to miss or it did miss anything so I see the benefits of it for sure and TV television based on all these these facets is better it's a better storytelling uh, medium than it's ever been Yeah, that's true. You know, I I guess, you know, I, I can do both, but, you know, I guess I, I get kind of frustrated where it's like, you know, if it gets really good, you're like five episodes in and then there's a replay, there's a replay next Tuesday or whatever day it falls on. And you're like, oh, shoot, you know, yeah. and, you know, those are the times where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could binge watch this, especially if you're into the story and then you yeah. have to wait next week for the story. That's pretty much my take on it. Yeah, well, you know, that, again, that's, I think, a generational thing where you need immediate stimulus and you're like, I feel cheated or voided if I don't get it. Or if you're from a society or generation that's, well, I can tolerate that. I'll just bide my time and stand here in this line and uh, wait till I get let in for the next episode. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, um, you know, those are hard things with the, with all the immediate stimulus that we have in our society today. Those, those are it's hard to be patient. It's hard to wait. That's true. Um, let's get into 31. Finally, it's going to be released. You know, we talked, the last time you was on the show, we talked about 31. And, yeah. you know, it was at the festival that you went to. Um, what was it? It was, what was the name of the festival? I, I, well, I went to the Sundance Film Sundance, festival. yes, Sundance, invited yes. invited to be part of that, which, you know, is a bit... For those of you that don't know, it's Rob Zombie's new installation of, of his horror film. It is a very violent film. It uh, it's, it's not a monster movie or supernatural movie, but it is the, the people involved are monsters, no doubt. And I think that his fans will be uh, absolutely rewarded for the work or for, for the... Uh, loyalty that they've had, and uh, this movie won't disappoint. This is a uh, this is a pretty terse movie. You know, I relate it to the idea that um, if you had a terrarium, a glass terrarium, and you put a a, a tarantula in it, and a scorpion, and a, a rattlesnake, and a rat, and a pile of red ants, and a hornet's nest, and then you shook that up, and they all were on top of each other and rolling around, they they wouldn't go to their neutral corners and leave everybody alone. Mm -hmm. They would uh, they would attack and bother each other, and that's really what this movie is. And then for good measure, maybe put a little gentle baby pot-bellied pig in there and see what <laughs> happens. And uh, that's kind of how 
harsh this movie is. And uh, uh, I think that people that are looking for that or in, and expecting that are not going to be disappointed. And those who are caught off guard by that are going to be, um, you know, kind of abruptly given a wake-up call for some real violence in your face. So, uh, I've seen it at Sundance. It was a great response. A lot of Rob's fans were there. Uh, I think it was uh, a, a huge success, and I, I think it will be. So it is, uh, it's colorful. It's colorful language, and it's, um, it's mean-spirited, man. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, you know, and the thing about Rob, what I love about Rob is he'll take every nostalgic. I wouldn't. I don't know if that's a kind word, nostalgic actor or actors from the like the seventies, and you know, and he usually works with the same. You know, you've been working with Rob in most of his movies, and you know, he has Richard Brake, he has Daniel Roebuck, Meg Foster. You know, he'll work with a lot of different. You know, people from that era, and you know, he'll always give them work. And you know, his movies, if you haven't really seen a Rob Zombie movie, like his movies are very depraved and very violent and you know, sadistic. Um, how do you compare this movie to the other movies that he's done previously? Well, the first thing I'd say, like, you know, obviously, I think I am, and we all are, a big fan of The Devil's Rejects, which is, I guess, 11 years old now, and uh. The thing about that movie that was so great, or so many things, was that um, the storylines and the character arcs of all those characters was so rich and so, so or you know, well designed and 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 built um, that we really rooted for almost everyone we saw come on screen to the point of even towards the end mm-hmm. we were rooting for the villains, you know, not to die by the time Freebird was playing. Yeah. Um, this movie, 31, I would say has less of the humor. So in other words, there's no tutti fruity in this movie. <laughs> there's, there's no, what's wrong, don't you like clowns in this movie. There are some comical moments, but they're not very funny. It's, it, you're, you're scared for human well-being. And, um, and this movie has less fun and, uh, and more bite. I would say, and uh, so that's uh, it's it's entirely intense the entire time. There's there's no breaks for a couple, you know, uh, anxious laughs, and so I, I feel like uh, that would be the first first indicate indication of that. So yeah, I was going to ask you also um, as Psychohead. Um, I think I've asked you previously before, but, um, you know, you've been in a lot of Rob Zombie films, and, you know, you played a, a, a scaredy cat character, you played a sadistic mm-hmm. rapist, um, this character, how does this character compare to the other characters you portrayed in Rob's films? I would, you know, I, that's a great question, thank you, and it's a well-thought question. Um, this is, this is a really difficult character, I think, for variety of reasons. I think physically it was a demanding role. I think emotionally it was an incredibly demanding role. I think, you know, just just the work that it required to get to a place to deliver this character has um, stayed with me. Was You know, most times we try to let these characters go and this character just haunted me and still does. Yeah. So this was this wasn't this was the most demanding role that I've had to and and typically I enjoy all my work and I love the work. This I, there was I, I did enjoy this, but this this role in Psychohead and this character was a, a, was unpleasant. It was a fight, and that guy was fighting to get out, and that guy was fighting to live. And he was fighting, and he was fighting in a way that he wasn't playing well with others. And so the time on set as this character, the time in preparation, all of these things were were difficult and dark. So um, this character's 
you know, he makes Noel Clubs, who I did in Halloween, and, you know, as a really miserable person, he makes him look maybe even, you know, uh, uh, less miserable. You know, this, yeah. this guy, this guy, you know, it's very difficult to be this dark and dangerous and demented without reason because... You know, it's not a born evil Michael Myers thing. It's, you know, why are you, are you, why are you this way? Why does that scorpion attack and sting? Why do wasps just tear into you? Or red ants, when you stick your hand on the ground, they attack, you know? what? So you've got to kind of find that base survival, you know, kill instinct and then, then hold on to it and keep pushing it and, and, and intensively delivering it with, you know, with everything you've got. And then, you know, so, and then try to follow Rob's lead with where he wants you to take it and, uh, you know, corral it a little bit. It's just a lot of work. And people, people mistake, you know, Rob is so cool and he's so, his movies are so good and his, you know, we all love him and adore him. That doesn't change, but... It is work, and there is, you are, you are brought in to do a, a J-O-B, and he requires you to do that, and, and and you feel, because you respect him so much, to do the best job you can possibly do, and so, you know, there's no half-stepping any of it, so, uh, I do feel like when I was in costume, that helped quite a bit, because that removed Lou from Psycho Head, mm -hmm. and when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see Lou anymore, but I just saw this this incredibly mischievous, misguided, ugly, hateful, you know, presence in front of me that that uh, I didn't have to be, you know, pleasant like we are Disney right now, and um, that scared me a little bit, to be honest with you. And so it's taken me an entire year to kind of shed that from from myself and then when I saw the movie uh, in January I was revisited by that and yeah it's just like oh man that, that was that was one that that uh, that really took its its bite out of me um loved Adam Banjo uh I loved Noel Clugs because I recognized and Rob gave me reason to be that miserable I don't know He has the face David, of a. You're, you're, go ahead. I say he has the face of a villain. Like every time you know he has that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, he has that face. He has that face that you know you see him like all right he's a bad guy in a movie you just you just know it. Well, he's not going to disappoint. 
<laughs> but he will he will excite you because he's it's very exciting to watch him. He's he's really he's really tight that way. He's great. You no, know, I was gonna actually if Rob um does another film and he offers you another depraved character like this, or will you have second thoughts about playing it or? Uh, you know, I've always said, or I still say, you know, if Rob asked me to come uh, participate with him, uh, we'll do it. Uh, we're friends, you know, and, and friends. Uh, and I'm honored to be part of his his group and ensemble. So I don't uh, I don't have reservations because I entirely and completely trust him. And um, uh, so, yes, the answer is short answer, yes. Um, am I capable of uh, bringing something different to that type of character? Um, I would say yes, uh, and and because Rob can find something different in it for me to do. I mean, look, he's you know he goes from Adam Banjo for me as kind of a lovable guy that has a lot of bravado that you know then has to kind of you know, stand up to to bravery, to go down in a fiery, you know, blaze of glory, to a really miserable guy where he said, you know, I want to switch you and Danny Trejo up and, and make you the asshole and Danny the sweetheart in, in the Halloween uh, film, to then this where, you know, there's just, there's no niceties, there's no, no rooting for, you know, and, uh, You know, um, as an actor and working with Rob, out of every film he has done, um, how do you rank this film or compared to The Devil's Rejects, the Halloween films? This will be his most difficult film for people to watch. This is the ugliest or the, the harshest movie that he has. And the things that, you know, he's... You know, Rob's really great at diversifying because if you look at his last Halloween, the two uh, that he did uh, was a bit of a psychological experience. And then certainly Lords of Salem was sort of his Rosemary's baby, yeah. very psychological. And now he goes right back into a very violent, thrusted forward in your face, Devil's Rejects type of violence, only he removes, you know, any of the joy or humor or good times or... You know, um, look, you don't know who to root for in this movie. And you just, you're just caught off guard on all sides. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's its own. I think it's its own, it's its own bowl of ice cream, you know, and it's, it's its own flavor. And, and, um, it doesn't fall into a category of Rob's. I think he's reinvented himself with something new in that vein. Mm, this is interesting because you know yeah. it's 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 one of those you know say even, you know I, um by the time that people hear hear this the trailer you know already has been out but um yeah you know this movie is just even like the the names of the characters and then the whole murder world concept is just yeah you know I feel like you know there's no apologies in this film and I I felt like on occasion you know. There was some heart in the movies that we did before that... I don't want to say this movie's heartless. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I just mean that it is... It's it's just so in your face, so fast, so full on. You don't have time. It's binge watching. Let's put it that way. Oh, and it's, okay. you, don't, you don't have time to... To... You know really grapple with your emotions. I don't know how I feel about that guy, just that what he just did to this guy. And, oh my God, what happened? Oh my, you know, geez, I barely, I don't have time to process that. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of that. And um, I, I think it's a wild ride. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting experience for everyone. I, I have no doubts. Um, did you get to work with everybody on set? Malcolm, um, Elizabeth, did you work with I everybody? Did, yeah. yeah, Malcolm, yeah. Uh, I did, E.G., uh, you know, Torsten. I didn't work with Torsten, actually. He showed up after I was there. Okay. Certainly Jeff and, and Jeff 
Daniel Phillips and Meg Foster and uh, uh, Mr. Williams and definitely Lawrence Hilton Jacobs and Sherry Moon Zombie, of course, and and Rob and um, uh, um, uh, Judy uh, Judy um, uh, Greer. Yeah. Uh, yes, and Janet. Uh, I, I did, and so it was. A, you know, it was a family. We all had lunch together, but man, when it was uh, when we put our our uh, uniforms on and went out to the field, it was uh, it was on. You know. Yeah. So um, it was, and it was a lot of work. It was, it was, it was a lot of work, and and I I just want to reiterate that as cool as Rob Zombie is, don't think he's not as intense a work horses there is that makes movies you know he is he is relentless because of his passion to get it right and so and and he does that so i respect that and i'm pleased and proud that i've had a chance to be part of that that's amazing um also lou you have a lot of work that's on post-production right now. Um, um, I know you finished 31. Um, what else do you have that's in coming up in the horizon, like in July? Well, we spoke a little bit about Desierto, which is coming out, and that's such a great pedigree, and it, it is a, it's a, it's a, uh, an action thriller, and, and, and it, in its own way, is, is shocking, and with Jeffrey Dean Morris, uh, more, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and um, Gael Garcia-Barnal, and it's it's brilliant. Uh, I also have a movie coming out um, later in the year, probably way deep into the winter. Okay. Uh, maybe even as far as December, called Kidnap with Halle Berry, uh, where I um, I take her child, she wants it back. Uh, so that's a, 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 an action thriller as well, and um, uh, I'm excited for that. There's a there's a film called Feral. Yeah. Uh, which is um, with uh, Scout, hmm. uh, Scout Taylor Compton, yeah. you know, Compton Taylor, uh, that um, and Renee Olmstead. I'm excited about it's. It's sort of the Cabin in the Woods story, but we've got a twist on it, and I think it's it's done really well. Mark Young uh, directed it, who I've worked with before, and I love Mark as well. And I'm excited for that. There's a movie out right now, uh, I want to say, on your Netflix queue called uh, Home, which is um, with Heather Langenkamp from the Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and that's really, that, that's done well. That's a, that's a great ghost story thriller. I've got a movie coming out called The... Um, uh, Behind the Walls with Vanessa Angel, which is uh, which is super cool. And then recently, I just shot a movie called Cut Off, which probably won't show up till next year. But it's a little bit about some of the terrorist recruiting in America, and wow. uh, which unfortunately we're experiencing right now. Yeah, pretty cl- uh, cl- pretty close to home. Yeah, yeah, and that has uh, a really classy cast with uh, Jean-Marc Barr, John Robinson, um, uh, Billy Baldwin, and Brad Dourif, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of that. So just keeping it moving out there um, and trying to, you know, I guess just try to do good work is what I try to do. I try to try to tell honest stories and be part of a storytelling fabric that that I would like to think that connects with the audience and I try to serve the stories that I tell you know people always say well how do you pick things I I don't necessarily think that I pick them as much as they pick me and once they pick me then I try to give them a different flavor of Lou, and so I find that most times, wow, this is something that I actually haven't done before, or I could give this a different spin, uh, and um, and I just try to do that with with some sort of um, joy. You know, I mean, anything we do, we should take on with with some joy. Uh, I got some great advice when I was doing Lawless. Tom Hardy said, "Well, look, if it's 
if it's not fun for you, no matter what you're doing, even playing Psycho Head, how can it be fun for anyone to watch? So mm. I do try to find the joy in the work that I do and, um, and, and deliver it some way or another, even if it's, if it's ugly work. Uh, so I, I keep, uh, I keep throwing it out there. And thankfully, somebody keeps fighting. It's called fishing, right, Efron? Yep, that's it's right. Fishing. That's right. Um, I was gonna actually, you know, baseball is your passion and acting is your yeah. passion. You know, um, you you're a man that you know you done everything that you wanted to do in life and you did it with no hesitation as far as i can see from an outsider looking in um being an actor is is i guess what it was like your your second calling basically um yes. um how do you feel in life like you know you you're getting work you're acting and you know that's that's the greatest accomplishment an actor can do is act and you're re you're getting roles you're receiving roles um is there anything in the acting field that you haven't done that you want to do well that's a great question because i think as you know as we talk about evolution and i've used that word and we've that Walking Dead has evolved, and watching television has evolved, and making movies has evolved. Well, clearly then, uh, as artists, we continue to evolve, and I certainly am doing things different today than I did uh, when I started and when I was learning, and I have more access to a different skill set. Skill sets change with age. Skill sets change with physicality. And so I am looking for... Um, uh, new and different types of work or approaching work. I try to do it in a different manner. So I think I watch other actors more and pay attention. Hey, how does he go down that slope? Oh, wow, he's the cross-step slalom. I've never done that. Let me try that. Oh, I see how this works. That's really cool. So there, there's some gigs on, on the dance floor, as we say, or out there on the rink. I try to do things different. Sometimes... I will inform my character entirely with music, you know, or I'll find a, a playlist of, you know, really cool hard rock, you know, raging punk rock, heavy metal that'll get me into the place that I need to go. Other times I will look for things in just the words, just the verse that tickle my tongue. And once I have those or I'll watch Johnny Depp and he physicalizes all his roles. They all start with his walk and I'll say, well, let me try. So those are all things in front of the camera, but this is a long answer to your question. <laughs> uh, what I would really say is that I'm interested now in, in kind of writing some storylines, not necessarily for me to perform, but for someone else. And while I thought, as I started writing, oh, I'd like to do this role and I would write a role for me to do, I recognize now I would like this role to be universal because there's someone out here, even though I wrote it in my voice or in my, my mindset's physicality, there's someone that's going to bring something different and greater to it than I can write. So I would love to see someone else do this. So I am a little interested in the writing aspect of developing a show or and I'm a big collaborator. I like playing with others, actually. And so I like the idea of getting together with a team of writers and building a story. I like getting together with a team of actors and making uh, entertainment and, um, and developing and producing. Uh, as a director, I feel like I'm, as you can tell, I'm a little verbose. I'm a little chatty Kathy. We might not get anything done the entire day just talking about what we're going to do. So, uh, but I do have, I do have a, an interest in, in writing and, uh, and, and through writing the intellectual property of telling a story. So, but you're right. I've been blessed with being able to, to do baseball. And if you were to ask me, well, dude, what's, what's your, what's your dream? I would tell you, my dream is the same one I had as a 12-year-old boy, and, and that's playing in a major league stadium as a major league baseball state, uh, player. And I still have that dream, and I'm so, I'm so blessed to have that. My same dream that I had as a 12-year-old boy, and it's as good as the first time I had it. And when I was 12, it, could, it was kind of a reality, like, man, I, you know, in eight years I'll be 20, and I might could play. Well, by that time I was getting closer but you 
know, that dream, you know, falls short in reality, but now it's it's in the dreamscape and I'm I'm still playing in the big leagues and I still in my dreams. So uh, playing a major league baseball game or winning an Oscar, I'll take the major league baseball game. Wow. If that if that says, you know if that says it all, then that says it all. Yeah. You know, it's all it's it's you know, that's where your passion is at in baseball. And it's almost like you kind of got robbed for it, you know, because of your injury. You know what I'm saying? It kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's almost like it's unfinished business in your eyes, right? It's like, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's the dream that keeps revisiting me or calling me back or haunting me. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I love that I, I, I love that I still think about it because been with me all these years it and it's not it's not something that ever gets old you know when i have that dream it's as good as you know the first time i had it and my final question for you lou is what is your favorite quote or what's a quote that gets you through the day oh quote that gets me through the day there's you know and i i like to keep it mixed up but um I think a quote that I like recently is an old quote from baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from uh, it's from a manager, Earl Weaver, that used to manage the Baltimore Orioles, and he said, uh, "Just when you think you know it all, you've got a lot to learn." And most. Lee, when we get to a place of experience, we recognize that we do know an awful lot. And we have earned knowing an awful lot. And if we let ourselves, we start shutting down our our senses and our avenues to being available to learn even more. And, and again, I work with an awful lot of young people who are so talented and gifted and and sometimes they don't even know it, and they're just natural. Uh, and so I learn from them because I'm available to do that. So that's one quote. I think uh, if I ever showed up and said, well, I know it all, then I would be cutting off the opportunity um, of, of really learning something from somebody. Uh, the other one that I probably live by is um, I uh, give myself over to the wisdom of the unknown. So, yeah, I think we may have talked about this before too, Efren, but mm-hmm. the idea that if I wake up every morning and not knowing how the day's going to go or where it's going to go or how I'm going to pay my bills or who I'm going to meet or how I'm going to do this audition or how am I going to impress somebody on a business meeting or any of the, whatever these things are. Um, I give in to the idea of, I don't know. And it's okay because however it goes, it's going to be better than however I could plan. And so I, I, I sort of give myself over to not knowing the unknown. And that's how I was able to kind of really, allow myself to have these types of careers and to understand that no matter what I could plan or write, it wasn't going to be as good as what the world has in store for me. And, you know, and I think not for me, but for everybody. Yeah. You know, I don't, I just don't think I'm this lucky or this good. And so I think what I am, though, is I've had the, the gift and good fortune to just be available just show up, show up in life, and life will show up for you. And um, I think, I think those are those are good attributes to have. You know, I'm not suggesting being irresponsible, but I am suggesting take your blinders off of your your difficulties sometimes and look around. There's there's golden opportunities all abound for you. So mm. maybe those couple things. 
Yeah, that's pretty my good. Granddad, my granddad used to say, Juan, he used to say, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm a grizzly bear, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want to be a polar bear because you don't want to be cold. So a grizzly no, bear is good. <laughs> no, I have no, no interest in the cold weather, folks. Uh, um, Lou, um, plug your social media, plug your um, Twitter or any... Yeah, you know, I'm a... I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Twitter active, most of us Walking Dead folk have, have uh, been asked to participate, and so we, we stay busy there, and I'm I'm simply Lou Temple actor, not very original, but um, <laughs> that was that was the unknown that, uh, that's the only unknown I could come up with, so Lou Temple actor there, IMDB, check out uh, what things are out there, uh, and where where you can see me at. Um, the Facebook page is a fan page, but I get all the messages. Okay. So they're really good about, if anyone hits up on that, they're really good about that. Uh, I've been out all spring, uh, all early winter and spring since January, all the way up through um, just, you know, last weekend um, at, at shows, conventions. I try to go out quite a bit we all do because we, we appreciate the audience so much and we, you know we we refer to you as the audience not fans because we know how important and what a big part of the show you are um, I, I'm not scheduled to go out again until the fall uh, that could change but uh, I would encourage everybody who you know is a fan of The Walking Dead to, to you know look up uh some of these shows like the Walker Stalkers, anyone that has a chance to get down to Atlanta to that show, it is, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, be prepared to see a lot of people. Um, but any of the Walker Stalkers in your area, I can only say they are uh, just a delight to, to attend and be part of and to see um, your favorites and to meet new people. They're great. And I'll be out there again. I just don't know when or where. Probably with, with Rob's movie, 31, coming out, uh, I'll probably be out there in the fall somewhere, somewhere or another. Mm. Thank you, Lou. And I'm I'm sure everybody's going to watch 31. It's coming out in VOD or in the theaters. And there's a lot of your movies that are on Netflix. Um, you're also in Longmire as well. So people can definitely check yep. that out and see your appearances yeah, there. Yeah, Longmire was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. It's sort of a modern-day Western, not unlike where I started in Walker, Texas Rangers. So they're similar. Uh, and that's... Uh, that's a lot of fun, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on Atomic Podcast and, and be with you, Efren, and that uh, we always have a good conversation. So I appreciate y'all, and uh, I'm wishing you well. Yeah, and I appreciate you giving me the time, Lou, as always, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.